0: You're listening to Cross-Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus is with his 12 apostles, except it's actually only 11, because at this point, uh, Judas Iscariot has already left to betray Jesus. They have just shared the Passover meal together, what we call the Last Supper, because it's Jesus' last meal before he's betrayed, arrested, tried, and crucified. And in chapters 14 to 16, John shares with us an extended section of teaching that Jesus gives after that meal. Really, that teaching starts in chapter 13, runs through chapter 17, but the the bulk of it is chapters 14 to 16. In chapter 13, uh, as we read about just recently, he washes his apostles' feet, and then after that, he teaches his disciples for a while. He'll finish with a prayer in chapter 17, but the, the main teaching section ends with these words in chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome The world. Three key words here, I think peace, trouble, and overcome. Jesus says that he's told his apostles these things, all the things that he's been talking about since chapter 13, so that they may have peace in spite of the trouble that they will have in this world. In spite of that trouble, they should take courage, take heart, because Jesus has overcome. The world. So, okay, what does it mean to overcome the world? Seems like a strange thing to say. What does it mean to overcome the world? Well, overcome, of course, is a word we use to talk about challenges, obstacles, conflicts, battles. And so there is a sense in which Jesus was in conflict with the world. He faced obstacles in the world and he overcame. John, the Apostle John, wrote this gospel that we've been studying uh, most weeks, these last few months. This is his account of the work of Jesus. We also have a few other writings from John. Uh, We're pretty sure he's the one who wrote the book of Revelation. And we also have three short letters that he wrote, teaching letters. We call them 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And those were collected by the, the church in the very, very early years of the church. And they were preserved and copied and passed around to other churches. And the churches found them so valuable and so useful and saw the Spirit of God at work in them so strongly that they became part of our scriptures. Well, in the book of First John, that teaching letter John wrote, John uses this word overcome several times. He talks about how followers of Jesus overcome the evil one, the devil. And he talks about how we overcome people who deny that Jesus came in the flesh. There were people in John's time who said, well, he wasn't, he wasn't physically real. I mean, he looked real, but he really wasn't. John says we overcome people like that. And he talks about how the victory that overcomes the world is our faith as we are born of God and believe that Jesus is God's Son. Our faith is is our victory that overcomes the world. We're going to sing that in a few minutes. Jerry's chosen for us uh, uh, as a closing song today, uh, the song Faith is the Victory. And it says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world, right out of the book of 1 John. So to overcome the world seems to mean something like in the face of all the troubles the world throws at us in our lives, we endure them all, we work through every obstacle, we uh, struggle through every conflict, and at the end, we still stand with God in faith, still living for Him, believing in Jesus, being children of God, doing whatever God would have us do. At the end, we are still standing with God. And Jesus certainly did that. He faced every sort of trouble persecution, rejection, ridicule, disapproval. He was hungry, He was weak. He was weary. Sometimes he wept like at the tomb of Lazarus. Sometimes he was amazed at how hard-hearted people can be. If you've ever felt that way, Jesus did too. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are, yet he did not sin." After all the devil's attacks, after all the troubles Jesus endured, after all the hurts and the frustrations and the disappointments, Jesus overcame the world. He was still standing with God, faithful at the very end, and nothing could break him. And because he endured and did the will of God in everything, God exalted him to be ruler of all creation, king of kings and lord of lords. Now, in John 16, verse 33, that exaltation has not come yet. But it's near. And Jesus now can see victory waiting for him just on the other side of the cross. And we know God richly rewards everyone who endures in service to his kingdom to the end like Jesus did. Just as he rewarded Jesus. But Jesus' apostles... Of course, they can't see as far as Jesus can see. They don't know the full plan of God as Jesus knows it. Jesus' apostles are about to face trouble like they've never seen before. Sometimes trouble comes upon us in ways we didn't expect, didn't want, didn't do anything to deserve. Jesus is about to be taken away from his followers. Within 24 hours, they will see him fall into the hands of his enemies and die. And it will look to them like God has abandoned them, like Jesus is gone and like they have no more hope. If if you've ever felt like God has abandoned you, he's let you down, you have no more hope, then you can understand how Jesus' apostles would feel in just a few hours after Jesus said these things. But Jesus wants them to know now, before it happens, before that dark time comes, how to have peace when the trouble comes, and how to overcome the world. And I want to share with you three short sections of what Jesus told his apostles that night after the Last Supper, in chapters 14 to 16, to get them ready for the time of trouble so that even when it came, they would have peace. Because we face trouble too. Often unexpectedly. And we need God's peace in those times. So let's look at these three uh, snippets of Jesus' teaching in this section. To help us find this peace. First part of Jesus' teaching I want to share with you this morning. John 14 and starting in verse 15. John 14 verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And do not be afraid. Jesus begins to hint here at what's going to happen to him. He says in verses 18 and 19 that he's going away and that the world will not see him anymore. But his disciples will see him. There's a transition coming. Jesus knows about it. But his followers aren't ready for it. Jesus is going to die and he will have to leave them for a little while. But he says in verse 18, he will not leave them as orphans. He's not going to leave them all alone, just abandon them. Trouble is coming, but he will not abandon them. And then he gives them what for us is great news. But for them, they probably didn't understand it yet. It, it wasn't something that they were quite ready uh, for. But they would understand later. Jesus says God the Father will give his followers an advocate, someone to stand with them and to help them, the Holy Spirit. Jesus will ask his Father and God will send his Spirit and the Spirit, verse 16, will help the apostles and will be with them forever. And verse 26, he will teach them all things and will remind them of everything Jesus said to them. Which helps to explain some of how they remember decades later the things that Jesus had taught them And they wrote those down for us. John, we think, wrote his uh, gospel about 50 or 60 years after these things happened. He would have been a very old man by that time. And I'm sure many things Jesus did and said he just memorized and remembered. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit would also help his apostles remember his teachings. And So the Spirit is involved in helping John know what to write and remember what Jesus said and did so that John could share that with us. Later in the New Testament, the apostles teach that God gives the Holy Spirit to all his people, not just to the apostles, but to all who follow Jesus. A good text to read on that topic is Romans chapter 8, great chapter on the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. Romans 8 says the Spirit helps us stop sinning, guides us in God's will, helps us when we pray, claims us as God's children. That's why I said this word from Jesus is great news. God gives us His Spirit to be with us and to help us. And God also gives us Himself, community with God the Father, our Creator. Jesus says in verse 23 Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Which means if you love Jesus and you obey Him, God the Father loves you too. And both the Father and the Son make their home in you. And so the fullness of what we call the Trinity, the three persons of God God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, the fullness of God lives in us as we love Jesus and obey his teaching. This was Jesus' promise to us. So, what this means then is that whatever troubles come our way in life, as we continue, in spite of those troubles, to obey Jesus and to love him, the fullness of God, our creator, lives within us and with us. God gives us his spirit to help us, and even the Father and Jesus the Son make their home in us. And so whatever troubles come upon us, we are not alone. When we grieve, we are not alone. When we're apprehensive, we are not alone. When we're angry at some evil in the world, well, you know, God probably is too, we are not alone. When we're sick, we are not alone. Even when we're lonely, when we're lonely, we are not alone. God is with us, even if we don't. Feel it at the moment. Jesus' apostles are about to be terrified, panicked, separated from Jesus physically because he's going to die. They're going to be crushed, filled with grief, and lonely without him. They're going to feel like God let them down, but they will never be alone. Jesus tells them this so that they will have peace and will not let their hearts be troubled and will not be afraid. Actually, in just the next few hours, they will be afraid. They'll be very afraid. Because they won't even have time to process all this that Jesus is teaching them. But later they will remember and it will strengthen them and they will find peace because God will be with them. And all that Jesus tells them to do, besides, you know, don't be troubled and don't be afraid, is verses 15 and 21, If you love me, keep my commands the key to having the fullness of god live in us and help us and bring us peace is to love jesus and keep his commands when we do that god is with us the second part of jesus teaching that i want to point out to you this morning chapter 15 beginning in verse 1 <clears throat> jesus says To bear fruit for God, we have to remain connected to Jesus. He is the true vine. We are his branches. And God the Father is the gardener. And he prunes us to make us even more fruitful than we already are. So God trims us. He cuts off the bad parts of our lives. He helps us to stop sinning. He guides us to grow this way instead of that way. All to make us more fruitful in our service to Jesus. I pruned my grapevines at our house a few weeks ago. Whenever I I had a little bit of energy, I'd go outside and get some sun if we had any. You may remember we had a lot of cloud there for several weeks. And I'd uh, I'd prune a a grapevine or two. And you know, when you prune your grapevines, you have to cut off about 90% of last year's growth. And I always feel so guilty and I want to apologize to the poor vine. I'm cutting off almost all of you. I feel like I'm killing the poor thing. But what you're doing is you're causing all the energy of that plant to go into the best vines for producing good fruit. And that's how you get the best crop. And God does this with us. He prunes us. He cleans us. Prune and clean are the same word in the Greek language that John wrote in. So when he says, God prunes us and you are already clean, he means God cleans us and you are already pruned. And those are the same word in Greek. They just come out differently in in English. God prunes us. He cleans us. He takes the bad parts off a bit at a time. Everything that keeps us from really, really living for God well so that we can produce the best possible fruit for him. And God does this for everyone who stays connected to Jesus. He transforms our lives in this way. Remain in me as I also remain in you, Jesus says in verse 4. And that's both a command and a promise. Remain in Jesus and Jesus will remain in you. Stay in Jesus. Let God prune and clean you so that you can bear good fruit in your life. And also Jesus promises to stay in us as well. He will not Leave us, and that's the second time in in our texts this morning that he has said that. As we remain connected to Jesus, the true vine, we get both his continuing presence in our lives and God's constant work to prune us to be the best people we can be, exactly who he created us to be, so that our lives do good and bring him glory. Let's look at the third and last part of Jesus' teaching that I want to point out to you this morning. Chapter 16 and verse 16. Chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Jesus' apostles don't understand yet, but Jesus is predicting his death. He would die the next day, and his followers would see him no more for a little while. But then God would raise him from the dead, and they would see him. So with that in mind, I want to focus in on verses 20 to 22. Jesus says his apostles will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, and they will grieve. Of course they will when they see him die. Of course they'll grieve. But then they will rejoice, and no one will ever take away their joy ever again. Of course their joy will never be taken away. Once they witness Jesus raised from the dead, nothing in life will ever be able to take away their joy and all their confidence in God. There's nothing else to be afraid of in life if God raises the dead. Life is still scary to us, but we know that in the end, God raises the dead the dead. And they saw proof of that in the resurrection of Jesus. And what happened to them that weekend when Jesus died on Friday and was raised from the dead on Sunday is what we experience over and over in this troubled life until all our hope and joy in God culminate in that great day when Jesus comes again and raises the dead. Some kind of trouble comes on us, often unexpectedly, and we struggle and we suffer and we grieve and sometimes we weep and mourn and and it's appropriate to do that. It's okay to weep before God when things aren't right. But we always have this reserve of hope and even of peace because four reasons. One, God gives us his spirit to live in us, to help us, In every trouble. God gives us his spirit. Two. God the Father himself and Jesus his son make their home in us. God the Father and Jesus make their home in us. Three. Jesus remains in us as we remain in him. And God prunes us to make us fruitful in his service. So that our lives have real purpose and eternal meaning. As we serve the purposes of the eternal kingdom of God. Jesus remains in us as we remain in him, and God prunes us. Number four, the resurrection of Jesus promises that one day all our griefs will turn to joy, joy that no one can ever take away. Jesus' resurrection reminds us, promises, that our grief will turn to joy one day. Now that last part is too much for Jesus to share with his apostles on this night. They're not ready for that yet, more than what he's already said. But later they'll understand. And they'll write about the hope we have that when Jesus comes again, all his people will rise to eternal life. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. The apostle Peter, who heard Jesus say these things, writes in 1 Peter 3 verse 21, that the power in our baptism is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In baptism, our lives are immersed into his. We are submerged into Jesus. We are overwhelmed and overcome with Jesus. And as we are immersed into him, we are also immersed into the promise of his resurrection. That as he was raised from the dead, so will we also be and so we share in that promise. And so Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 that even though we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for we are receiving the result of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. And our troubles are hard. Some days they're so hard. I've got plenty of troubles and some of you have it harder than I have it. But in every trouble, God is with us, and his Spirit helps us. In every trouble, Jesus remains connected to us as we remain connected to him. And we know he understands what it's like to be in our shoes, because he faced all sorts of trouble too. In every trouble, God the Father is still at work in our lives to prune us And to make us fruitful in his kingdom so our lives have eternal purpose and meaning. In every trouble, the resurrection of Jesus promises that a day is coming when God will completely and forever renew our joy. Joy that no one can ever take away. The joy the apostles felt when they realized Jesus was alive from the dead was just the beginning of that ultimate joy. And even today, we taste that joy a little bit every time God helps us and lifts our burdens a bit and gives us his peace. We can, we can feel that joy. We can taste that joy that will be so much greater when Jesus comes again. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And by these promises, by the presence of God in our lives, by the help of the Holy Spirit, and by the fellowship of Jesus our Lord, by God's pruning and the way he renews our joy again and again, by all this we too can have peace in a troubled world because we stand with Jesus and he has overcome the world. May God give you peace today. May he bless you. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we thank you for Jesus who gave his life for us on the cross to bring us peace with you, that he would become a sacrifice uh, to uh, atone for our sins, all our wrongs by which we have dishonored you and rebelled against you. We thank you, dear God, for the blood of Jesus and for the body of Jesus that bring us healing and forgiveness. Thank you for giving us peace with you. Now, Lord, as you have given us peace with you, Lord, we, uh, we struggle in this world through all the, the troubles that it brings us. Uh, sometimes things that we brought on ourselves, sometimes things we didn't bring on ourselves at all, but they just happened to us. Lord, we thank you that you are with us in every trouble. In our darkest moments, Lord, be our light. In our weakest moments, be our strength. Dear God, in our most troubled moments, be our peace. Bring us peace. We thank you for the presence of your spirit in our lives. We thank you for the presence of Jesus, our Lord, who lives in us. We thank you that you, God the Father, our creator, live in us as well, as we obey Jesus out of our love for him. Help us, dear Lord, this week to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.